Maybe that's like one of the toilet attendants' jobs is to like go in every hour and count the toilets. <laughs> And welcome to House of Bards. Um, I'm Beth, and this is my co-host Alex. Hello. We are a podcast about like ro- role playing mostly, but sometimes Sailor Moon and magical girl discussions. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. This is a podcast about whatever we feel like it at the time. But and I think we're doing a fantastic job of holding up the farce that it's about role playing. Well, I mean, we—it's not like we don't talk about role playing. No, no, we, you're we right, do talk yeah. about that a lot. I feel it's more yeah. like we we gather under the pretext of it being about role playing, and then mm. sometimes we talk about that, but largely because we like talking about stuff, and we both do it. We do you know mm. role playing games, so that's one of the things we talk about. Yes. But in any case, mm. to today, because we've been kind of on a, a kick recently with recent episodes, haven't we? Um, of like this uh this idea of making your own content. Yeah, mm. like we. Uh, what did we start with? I think I might be missing one, but I think we started with, you know, uh, crafting your own scenario. Mm. And then we got bigger with a big double episode extravaganza of um, crafting your own uh, game, basically, your own game premise, mm. Mm. Um, which was made so big with the expectation that, like, I would be able to release one episode as an ep- like an episode as an update and then the other half of it as, like, another update because we weren't expecting... Beth to have time off to record for a while, and indeed she didn't. But you're probably going to see this episode like immediately after those two because it was mm. so big. It took me so long to edit that we're now like recording this one now. Mm. So uh, it it happens. I mean, <laughs> you're getting you're getting more podcasts. So <laughs> my point here being that we're gonna like draw it right back in. Right, right back in uh, small. And we're going to go with an idea that was um, submitted to us in the comments on YouTube on episode 12, I believe. So, like, over a year ago. Yeah, like, literally ages uh, ago. By <laughs> Gareth, who you might remember from the uh, the Game of Bards. Uh, and mm. that is um, Build Your Own Monster. If you will, a monster factory. Fuck. Oh, damn shit. Shit, shit. Shut it down. We're done. <laughs> We we have made a grave error. <laughs> um, no, but like te- technically, since Gareth suggested this, no, I, bef- I don't like. I don't, all... I don't believe that the thing that you are about to say is correct, Beth. But we are nah, supposed to be making is. like a a monster monster rather than yeah. using a tool that is supposed to make normal people to make a monstrosity. So whilst yeah. it might be similar in potential name it's not really similar in premise to monster factory so we're probably okay yeah we're not we're not ign we're not no we're not doing beast manufacturing I, I f- with it may just mean my like inflated sense of of uh esteem in us as a podcast beth but i feel like even if we ripped off monster factory we would not be as bad as ign no i know yeah i think we, I don't... we would have some more humility about it at least i i think even if we reviewed games for a living and had our own website and called it IPN, we still wouldn't be 
No. As bad as IGN. IGN or not. Even if we went out with the intent to copy IGN, we would still be better than IGN by proxy of not being IGN. IGN are part of the reason why I don't play Telltale games anymore, so fuck them and their shitty website. Anyway, (laughs) enough about what we're not, because... Yeah, yeah. Because what we are... What we are, ostensibly, is a podcast about um, role-playing games. I feel like we're going to contextualise this one heavily into the um, the context of 5th of edition Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. largely because there's not really a great way of talking about this in a system-agnostic way without our advice becoming basically so vague that it's completely useless. Um, so I will say that a lot of systems support the idea of you inventing new opponents, monsters, NPCs, that kind of thing, and will give you tools in their source book to do it. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, look at those. We're yeah. just going to take you through how 5th um, edition D&D recommends you do it and also what we think about that um, mm. to try and get the ball rolling, I guess. Yeah. So... I guess as as a warm up, we might want to talk about why you might want to make yeah. a monster. I think that's you know it's pretty obvious. Eventually, you're you're gonna get to a point where you have a really good idea for something, and you're gonna be like, oh, but there isn't really a monster in the monster manual that would suit this. Or you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna be like, oh. I'm kind of feeling confident enough that I want to maybe make my own thing here. Yeah, and I feel like unless you only run like pre-written scenarios, hmm. uh, this is a problem that you're going to run into. Like, regardless hmm. of how closely your um, DMing style follows along to what is already in the books, like, regardless of how little um, I- imagination and ambition whatever your your style has there's going to be a time when you run into like even if you're like even if it's like as simple as you have a named character who has to behave like a non-named character because your party want to fight them Mm. like you have to uh, i'm just going to like look in the back of the, the monster manual here where there are a bunch of general case um people I guess, you know, um, NPCs, humanoids, sapient humanoids. Um, And there'll be times when the party will be like, we don't like this guy, we want to fight him. And you're like, okay, well, I mean, Terence is Terence, but I can't just, like, come up with a stat block for Terence on the fly, so I'm going to have to, like, pick what I think is the closest to what Terence is as a character and just use that stat block with maybe um, rolling the, the dice recommended in the hit points field to like give him a bit of, mm. of you know um, special stuff and maybe you look through and you're like okay um, I think Terence is a druid yeah right and he's challenged level two uh, well they say the druid is challenged level two okay that sounds about right he's not a particularly strong druid you know whatever so you might do that or at the other end of the spectrum, you might be like, okay, this thing I want to do, most of the time going to use monsters that I have access to in the monster manual, but mm. for like the, the end of it, I have this particular theme that's running through my story that involves monsters that just aren't in the book. Yeah. So really, like you are going to run into this problem sooner or later, and it helps to know 
how to deal with it. And I think it's also, like, there are going to be a lot of, um, like, obviously Dungeons and Dragons does this thing where it's like, really, your player shouldn't own the monster manual and the DMG, but that's slightly unrealistic of Wizards to expect It that. is, and I feel like it, that <laughs> you know, it's one of the holdovers from the Gygax era, although yeah. even in the Gygax era it was kind of bollocks. Yeah, you know, you're going to have friends who own the Monster Manual because they like the Monster Manual, or you're going to have friends who own all of the books. Realistically, if you're in a group that has, like, multiple people who like to DM, even if you're all, like, assuming good faith about who does or doesn't reference that um, information if they have it, you're still going to have people who have access to that information, whether they like it or not. Yeah, like... You know, and you're going to be like, you you know, you want to surprise your players every now and then. You want to catch them out. And you can't do that if they know all of the fucking monsters in the monster manual. It's true. They're like, someone go, oh, I know exactly I know exactly what this monster is because I've read about it extensively in the monster manual. And you're like, god damn it, Greg. And there might just be some people who are bad at role-playing, specifically not having information that they as a person have. So they might be like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to ruin my DM's campaign even though I know what this monster is. But yeah. they don't actually like implement that desire any further than having yeah. their character go, oh, what are these things? I have never seen them before. Yeah. Like, personally, I, I'm of the opinion as a DM that if you know something that you think to an extent your character would you know if you've got like a very learned wizard and you know that this is like a basilisk you're going to go off and fight it to me it makes sense that your wizard can go i've read about basilisks and books and know their weaknesses like that's fine yeah, there is that i think i think like as with many of these things the 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 what it comes down to is use your own judgment because yeah. it's like it, a lot yeah. of the time that's probably going to be fine but there might be like a particular bit of specialist knowledge that you have that you think mm. Not a lot of people in real life know this, so maybe I should ask the DM if I'm allowed to have my character know this. Yeah, which, which you know, is, again... Oh, and that comes up if you're um, playing at a university club? A fuck yeah. done, because... And I'm not saying that I am any different in the times when we would do, like, sci-fi games or something and interact with computers, but mm. students love justifying the large amount of money that they are spending on an education and therefore like whenever something pertaining to your specialist subject comes up in a game you're going to be ridiculously mm. anal about it like in one of my games i had like a um a physics student who explained to me in great depth how um uh how, how uh distribution of weight worked because i was trying to fuck the party over with a collapsing um platform lift in a way that he maintained was physically impossible. And I was like, all right, <laughs> okay. And yeah, obviously you're going to run into problems with that when there's an overlap between what the character and the player are supposed to know. Yeah. Like, I look, I'm not looking forward because the people who I'm trying to gather for my Traveller campaign, I know at least a few of them will probably be physics students. I'm not looking forward <laughs> <laughs> to that game, to being that DM at all, to the point where I think I'm probably going to specifically um, put in a scenario where they have to do trivia on um, art history, just to you know, you know, mm. just you know, to justify. I don't now know, I'm just thinking mean. of that, that episode of Doctor Who where they're going to crash into the sun and they have like mm. a fuck ton of weird ass trivia questions as like the recovery codes on like this sequence of doors. <laughs> 
That's probably what it's going to end up as. Yeah, that's a, that's a, what. Who is this painting? Who is this painting by? And he was like, <laughs> "That'd be good." Anyway, the, <laughs> I'm writing that idea down. One second. Flying into some must answer trivia questions on art history. Here we go. Anyway, um, yeah, but you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna want there to be a bit of mystery sometimes for your player characters and stuff like that. And you want it, and again. It just makes it exciting and stuff like that. Like, like here is a new thing you haven't seen before and everyone's like, ah, that's awesome. You know? Mm. And sometimes, like, I love the Monster Manual. I think it's brilliant, but there isn't really, like, it's difficult sometimes to see the really good boss potential in monsters for me. There's also the problem that there are certain, um, certain areas that the mm. original Monster Manual, at least, is bad at filling. Like, yeah. um, something that I've run into recently is there's not a whole lot of fey. Yeah, so, I, like, yeah I remember that problem. You, you, you yeah. guys have gone to the Feywild and it's like, I've got hags and I've got like satyrs <laughs> and there's probably going to be a nymph at some point. And yeah. then there'll be like little, little like fairies and pixies and stuff who are going to do like mischief and shit. But yeah. there's not a lot of high level stuff apart from if you get like three hags together and make them into a coven, which is basically yeah. going to be all hags in the Feywild just because yeah. they're like they have to be a formidable threat and this is a problem that Undead run into as well that you have early on you have like loads and loads and loads of like level 1 level 2 um, even level 0 Undead um, mm. and then there's this drought of Undead until you get to like the really powerful stuff like uh, Death Knights and Liches and oh. that there are yeah. not a lot of like mid yeah, there are not a lot of like challenge level 8 Undead for instance. Yeah, it, which is, yeah, like... like you're pretty much that, that stuck with the... vampires around challenge rating 10, uh, and mm. that's that's about it, which is a problem mm. if you're doing, like, a, a an, un, an undead-themed um, scenario or dungeon with mm. characters who are, like, those levels, because basically you either find some way to, f to weaken a higher-level undead, or you just throw lots and lots of mm. lower-level undead at the party, which can yeah. get boring. Oh, everyone you meet is a vampire for like which is, five solid levels, which is going to be really boring. And also, like if you're trying to do it, like it's um, undead uh, in Dwarf Fortress. There's a a type of biome where basically nothing stays dead. Like mm. you know, you hack off bits of undead bodies, and those bits come back to life and shit like that. And it's like that's different, I think, to the kind of theme where everyone is a vampire. Because like mm. th there's a different speed of game implied by that, like all the stuff that we talked about in the Halloween episode about vampires and stuff. Like, yeah. despite being undead, they're a very different kind of undead from the rest of the undead. So you run into this problem that you don't. It's not really a unity of theme. Yeah, like presumably you would be able to talk a vampire out of attacking you, whereas you don't have that privilege with a zombie. And I mean, you know, maybe like... you have like you you supplement the, uh, the the undead tribe with other stuff. Like maybe you're like, okay, well. I don't have access to a lot of undead, but I could throw in some um, high-level mage characters who are necromancers, and like they're the ones controlling yeah. the undead. Maybe have some intrigue around that. But it's good yeah. to have options. So being able to come up with a monster is, I think, a useful skill to have. Mm. Again, okay, uh, not just like, and then you know, let's talk a little bit about other systems. But other systems expect you to create your own Absolutely, monsters yeah. and come up with your own ideas. You know, some of them go, well, actually, you should be able to do this on your mm. own. Um, so here's some ideas, but 
otherwise have at it and you know like you've got to you know you've got to learn how to do this stuff guys yeah. <laughs> it's important it's just it's <laughs> it will it help very, you grow very as a dm unlikely because i think actually even if you try and stick to pre-generated scenarios you're always going to have the problem that occasionally your um your your players are going to wander off and do like they're going to hop off the railroad tracks and go and do something weird and you're like right, I've got to like get them back on it but I've got to like deal with whatever they eventually find like what what makes sense in this world for them to find here and it's probably going to be like if it's people yeah you absolutely have to like find a type of monster that they can be a, a human type of monster generally although they could be mm. like maybe well we are are we not aren't humans the real monsters um I would say in real life, quite possibly, but uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, we are <laughs> readily provided with a great like... number of things that are significantly more the real monsters than humans. Yeah, it's kind of why I don't really fuck with the idea of human dominance in fantasy worlds because I'm like, this does not yeah, make it's sense. Yeah, like, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like, it's like it's like like humans. They were the real monsters all along, and then the wizards like, well, there is a owl bear like right there. I think he's a bit more monstrous than yeah. we are. But so maybe like, like all right, we're, we're we're kind of beating around the bush here. We want to talk about like yeah. making monsters. Um, yeah. But one of the first things that I would recommend, if you really really want to try and avoid, because it can be scary, this idea of of making monsters yourself, is you've probably figured out if you're playing fifth edition that previous editions, being longer in the tooth, have a much bigger um, collection of mm. uh, potential monsters. And you might think, wow, I bet if I could find the monster that I wanted in those collections, such as the second edition collection, which pretty much is entirely available on Lomian DE, which I think we've linked to in the past, um, mm -hmm. then I would that all I would need is a way of converting that into fifth edition. And there are actually mm -hmm. tools online to help you do that. Uh, if mm -hmm. I can remember the one I most recently used, then I will link it in the description because that's helpful. To, to, to have you just because then you have access to like a large amount of the um the the history of Dungeons and Dragons and yeah there are gonna be like weird esoteric problems with monsters that you convert that way but that's really only going to be a problem in the wider picture like if you were going to publish a scenario with these monsters in it your players can generally handle like a bit of a a, a weird balance issue mm. And obviously, I mean, like, manually fix anything that looks, like, pointedly wrong when it comes out of, of the end of one of these tools, because there are always going to be, like, problems like that. But the second thing, which is possibly even more easy to do, and this is, I think, the easiest way of creating new monsters, is you can think, does this necessarily need to be a new monster? Because when it comes down to it, Dungeons & Dragons isn't real. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, to say it, uh... Yeah. It is, in fact, pretending. Mm -hmm. um, the monsters, similarly, uh, with the exception, I suppose, of those monsters that represent terrestrial animals, and even them, in a metatextual sense, are also not real. They are conceptual ideas attached to collections of words and numbers that correspond to game rules. The thing yeah. about this, like, the, the where I'm going with this is you can take the stat block off one monster and stick it onto the monster that you're thinking of. Yeah. Maybe with no alterations whatsoever, and that's that's fine. And 
this is recommended by the uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide, actually. The yeah. example that they use, I believe, is if you wanted to create an arboreal, um, a large arboreal monster that eats elves. And you're like, well, I don't have any of that, anything like that in the monster manual, but I've got a Quagoth, which is a large hunting monster that has a climbing speed. So mm. maybe I take that and I swap out a few of its uh, its damage types and resistances for things that are more appropriate to uh, the monster that I want, and then I come up with a description for this monster, which is just, I don't want to say it's just fluff, because obviously that's important to the, your player's first impression of what the monster is, but mechanically it doesn't really make the monster different from the Quagoth when it comes to fighting it, which is good, because it's free to make up that kind of fluff, whereas if you're not particular, I mean, it's, it's also free to make up new but, but you get me, it's significantly less effort if you have trouble engaging with the mechanics of the game. Yeah, like, um, I'm currently, you know, in, in my game, I basically just modified a drider hmm. to make a, a horrible mantid monster. And there are certain things that need changing within that. Like, obviously, mantises and spiders are very different from each other. But... In terms of size and what you would expect them to be able to do and, and the damage they'd be able to take, you'd expect it to be quite similar, really. Right. Yeah. And you can you can change stuff. I, I don't actually have... Do I have the... Yeah. Hang on. You, you can change stuff that, like, it seems obviously... Well, would be different, right? Um, hmm. Quite easily. So I'm trying to find, like, what would be a good example here? Um... Problem is, you got to think of something that the uh, the monster manual doesn't have, and then um, you know uh, change it. Uh, one of the most easiest, uh, one of the easiest options, I suppose, which the dungeon master's guide points out, is that you can change if if it's a like a humanoid entity and it's carrying a physical weapon, and you're like, well, that makes sense for this monster, but the monster that I want it to pretend to be would carry a different kind of thing. There are stats for weapons in the player's handbook, which you can just like swap out that weapon and. You, generally speaking, don't have to worry about the effect of that on the um, challenge rating, because unless it's like a legendary weapon or something, that is probably going to be minimal. And if you're just running for your party, it's not honestly a problem. So, you know, it's it's difficult because they have actually like covered a lot of the basic mythological bases. Yeah, yeah. to be fair. Um... um... Oh, uh, one that I will mention, of course, is... Um, they were very good to provide a uh, basic template for lycanthropes. Yeah. Um, they like they have some uh, rules about player characters as lycanthropes, which betray patterns that mean that you can very easily increase the number of kinds of lycanthrope. Like one of the things in my, uh, well, there actually two of the things in in my setting is, um, in addition to the ones in the book, there are two other kinds of lycanthrope, and those are were-crocodiles and were-spiders. And there may be others beyond that, but they haven't turned up. And what's quite clear if you look through the section of ly for lycanthropes in the Monster Manual is the thing about lycanthropes is that they tend to have, like, one focus stat that's particularly high. And, like, in most cases, in fact, in all cases except the were-rat, it's strength. You get high strength. In the were-rat's case, it's, de it's dexterity. And I was like, okay, well, for the were-crocodile, I probably do want it to be strength. 
but in the case of the were spider, it's probably going to be dexterity because you know, sti sp giant spiders, I guess, are like probably quite strong. But the main thing is that they have that ability of freedom of movement. And another thing that I, I did is like give them spider climb in all forms, just all the time. They always have it, which is kind of of high powered, uh, especially when it comes to Jay, who is a were spider. Yeah, but. You know, it, it makes sense for the characters to have. And that's the, the kind of uh, decision that you can make. Um, just, just the where tiger does get strength. So, yeah. so there's that. There's also, like, uh, you might just find that you can just have the, uh, the monster as it is with no particular change in its stat block at all, just by describing yeah. it differently. Like, um, I would encourage you to do that with mimics, because the mimic is... The image that they use of the Mimic is of a treasure chest with a load of teeth and a big purple tongue. The classic, yeah. yeah. The, the classic, it's tried and true. It does make some degree of sense because a lot of the time, especially in like traditionalist uh, role-playing games, like that's a desirable thing, a chest. You want to open the chest, you want to get the treasure out of the chest, or at least look in the chest because it's an object of curiosity. Why would a creature that preys on adventurers not figure out that this is like a way like a flower attracts an insect, right? Mm. But the problem is, it's boring, and mm. once you do it too much, your players begin to expect it, which makes them like yeah. weirdly apprehensive of things like chests. And it's never really explicitly stated that mimics have to turn into chests either. Like, no, in fact, yeah. it even says, mimics are shape-shifting predators able to take on the form of inanimate objects, just inanimate objects, plural, to lure creatures to their doom. And... So you could have, like, chests are not the only things that adventurers frequently interact with. You could have a mimic that turns into a door that actually goes nowhere, mm. but just, like, you know, flattens itself against a wall. A door that goes nowhere apart from the mimic's I mouth. Guess. Like, you could have the mimic's <laughs> mouth behind it, but you could also have, like, the door is the mimic, but the mimic has just yeah. sort of, like, flattened itself against the wall to give the appearance that there's, like, an exit out of this room, but actually, ha-ha, no, you try and grab the door handle and it sticks to you. In exactly the way that a normal chest mimic would, but it's a door. Or maybe you could have a mimic that is... Uh, what, what's something else that people would frequently touch? I mean, I, 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 in the House of house Game of Bards, I had a mimic that turned itself into a rug. That's true, right. I mean, you cottoned on, like, pretty quickly, mm. like, nah. And <laughs> I think killed him from outside the room, but... Um... I feel like this isn't done frequently in role-playing games, but in real life, I can imagine mimics disguising themselves as lavatories quite frequently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the thing that hundreds of people interact with every day, so they have prey waiting for them. And it tends yeah. to be a thing that people interact with alone, so it doesn't have to worry about like getting ganged up on. Yeah, like the, the, I bet you that there's, like, in, in most fantasy worlds, it's like... Um, they'll, they'll be like, count the number of stalls when you enter an establishment. Are there six? Ask, uh, are there six? But only four. But only five sinks. Tell, 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 tell the manager. Maybe that's like one of the toilet attendants' jobs is to like go in every hour and count the toilets. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> just in case mimics get in, right? But mm. this is the thing: is that all of these mimics, because the mimic has the false appearance and adhesive properties which allow it yeah. to 
be indistinguishable from a stationary object while it remains motionless and adhere to anything that touches it, it doesn't really need a huge number of special powers pertaining to what form it takes. So even though it's this no. variety of different things, they all use the same stat block. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you might run into problems where uh, the challenge rating is only two and you might say, oh, I want a stronger mimic. And it's like, there are ways of dealing with that. You can bump up the, uh, yeah. the stats to deal with that or maybe make its uh, weapons hit more, that kind of thing. Yeah, you have that impossibly strong toilet mimic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I tell you what, like you, you, uh, you look at the toilets and you count the toilets and you're like, ah, oh, yes, right, okay, and then you find out the mimic is actually the shower cubicle. Yeah, <laughs> which like you just get inside that. It doesn't even have to do anything. Yeah. Like yeah. it can only assume something that big now because it's got so fat, just because of like people just walking inside. Yeah, it. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, thinking of like stuff like I don't know, assassins sending like mimics to like go mimic toilets mm. in like foreign countries to get rid of like diplomats that don't like, and mm. you know, like he died on the toilet, a toilet mimic. Oh, don't, don't, don't be the one, don't be the one in five people who didn't count the toilets when they entered an establishment. Um, I actually think we should just move on to creating a monster. Right. Okay. Well, let's do that then. Um, yeah. So I was thinking what we could do is to try and get a, 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 a variety of the styles presented. We, yeah. could, um, ha we could make a, 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 a legendary monster for ourselves with legendary actions and a lair and all of that shit and make, make that from scratch. But we could also have minions for it where we just reskin an existing monster because then we get the best of both worlds, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I'm just trying to think... Um, What's a really obvious, um, what is either a really obvious uh, hole that could be filled in the monster manual or just a really cool thing we can do? I like your idea of there's not many fair monsters in the monster manual. So that's, that's there fill aren't. that void. Um, I'm, I'm having trouble because I, I, I anticipated yeah. this and I was like, oh, I should look up some. The thing about the fae is that yeah. mythologically the idea is supposed to be that the existing fae are significantly more powerful than Dungeons and Dragons presents them as being. Yeah. Largely because they're magical and they're supposed to fuck with like terrestrial humans. The kind yeah. where if you see them represented on the tabletop board, they're generally represented in like Call of Cthulhu rather than Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like they fuck with explorers and scholars, not warriors. Is the yeah. thing. Which means that there's not a huge number of traditional fae stories that like lend themselves to a particularly powerful boss monster is the problem. Yeah. And I really I really wish that we could do that and, and I do have some plans, like I have plans for um for my game what the Queen of the Fae actually is. Hmm. Which uh which is exciting to do. But I don't know that with the time that we have that's really gonna go anywhere. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Mm. Well, here's an idea. Yeah. A theme that isn't particularly explored in Dungeons and Dragons, largely because why would it be? It was fucking weird enough in the fantasy properties that it has been explored in, is biomechanical body horror. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening. Which <laughs> normally would not have a lot of of place in this kind of thing, but I have very occasionally done. Um, like I think the people from my my other game which is currently on hold because all of the people in it are in Belfast, um, mm. can attest to the uh, the horror of the giant uh, prosthetic spider, mm -hmm. which is this, like, giant um, biomechanical horror built out of 
like hundreds of magical prosthetics and a person just encased in this metal shell screaming. So that, okay. that, that was yeah. a fucked yeah. up scenario. Um, yeah, okay. There's also there's examples like the um, Phyrexians from Magic the Gathering. They love some mm. biomechanical horror. And there's like also um, some of the, the mad scientist stuff that you might want to put into like a Ravenloft campaign or something like that, or that I might want to put into Varash, um, might involve that sort of thing. You also occasionally get it in properties that aren't strictly speaking fantasy, but can include fantasy elements um, and yeah. generally have a lower uh, tech level than, you know, biomechanical body horror mm. would generally imply, such as well, I mean, superhero you, comics, right? Yeah, but I mean, as well, as like, this stuff's kind of in some anime series as well, where it's yeah, sort of steampunky, yeah, mix, but still is, fantasy, yeah. yeah. Mixing the two is quite anime, um, but also it just works for, like, um, uh, it, it works for... The way it was done with the Phyrexians in Magic is that the Phyrexians are an invading force, right? Mm. They they come into other people's planes and like corrupt them and take them over. Mm. And in the case of... I found actually it, it wasn't like a whole host of, of characters. It was actually a couple, one specifically called Glissa, who is mm. I believe... Yeah, she gets two different cards. One for when she's like a normal elf character, and then one after her fall where she's like turned into this monstrous like Naga-like um creature on a biomechanical throne hmm. and i think definitely we we uh we could have some fun with the idea that this monster that we want to make is a corrupted form of of something that could be uh recognized which is yeah the kind of of horror that underlies things like um john carpenter's the thing for instance yeah. oh yeah yeah i'm also sort of thinking of um i don't know why but thomas the tank engine um i don't know why i'm going there explain. right now Please? Um, well, it's stuff like, you know, like... In oh, the Thomas are we talking the Tank about Engine like, the thing books. where in Thomas the Tank Engine they, like, portray um, the, uh, the the horror of, like, the, the Reverend Audrey's opposition to British Rail's scrapping policy? Yeah. Where it's just, like, they take these sapient beings away and then just, like, cut them up while they're alive. Yeah. That's an appropriate story for children. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like we definitely like could have that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean I mean I'm just I'm just like yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went there, but I did. I don't know really that it truly keys in, but I can see why you went there. That we we want that kind of body horror. Although, if we wanted to tie it into, I know you said biomechanical. I know you're really fixed on this, but hmm. what we could do is maybe bio plant like plant. Do you mean like um? Oh, the, the, there is a word for it, but you mean like um, rather than being essentially turned into like a really mucky cyborg, they're yeah. like fused with um, plants? Yeah. That's cool. Um, whilst trying not to reveal too much, I feel like if we're oh, going to aim okay. for something okay. like That's, okay. entirely we'll new, I, I, it, I it, it might be too I close get... to what I have in mind for what the, uh, the Fae Queen is like. <laughs> Okay, okay, Alex. I I get you. I get you. It's just I just looked over at my figure of poison ivy for a minute, and I was like, oh. Oh how no, about that, this? that that's super cool. Like the idea of um, I'm trying to think. Like I think when you fight poison ivy in Arkham Asylum, she's like that. I can't remember I mean, whether that's the case or whether she just like she stands has... by and she has like a giant Audrey two type plant. No, nah, she's no, nah, she's a giant Audrey two type thing. That's mostly poison ivy's shtick. But I do remember. 
one of my memories from her as a child was that really fucking horrific episode where Alfred and Leslie, who's Batman's physician, um, they get like they they win like a thing on like a, a cruise, um, and like they go to like a spa retreat, and Batman's like, I'm coming with also, um, and because <laughs> he's like, I don't trust this, and then it's like, ah, oh, it's poison ivy at her, at her, and then she basically turns all of these old people into like basically like trees and just mm. so she can steal all their jewelry and it's like that's so extra poison ivy why why would you go through all of this horrendous body horror and i mean i saw that when i was like seven that had an impression on me at a very young age i think anyway i i worry about showing children body horror yeah uh not not because i worry particularly about you know traumatizing um yeah. children though that is a concern, but because yeah. I worry that if you start getting too weird with the body horror, what you end up it with is children who grow up into adults with weird fetishes. Yeah, because they yeah. had this like, formative experience with like this really fucked up um, body horror concept. Yeah, like is that is that why I found Poison Ivy so attractive as a kid? No, I like, feel like you found Poison Ivy so attractive because Poison Ivy is essentially like queer lady bait. Yeah, that's true. But there is that possibility because, like, it has like if she if she turned them into trees, were they like immobile? They've like rooted yeah, they to were the immobile. That yeah, that has like bondage overtones. That's true. Oh shit! <laughs> At least we found our cold open. Beth discovered something about herself again. Oh dear. Anyway, it's like uh, I know, like, uh, there's there's a definite possibility that I, I I had formative experiences like that that I kind of wish that I hadn't done. Yeah. It's like, you know, again, this is why I said all millennials are furries, because we all grew up <laughs> because watching of fucking Digimon Disney. Disney movies. Yeah. It, it's just, we all grew up, we're all furries. All of us are furries, because we grew up having formative experiences with incredibly well-written and attractive characters that also happen to be animals. Hmm. Oh, I've figured out why I'm so um, intrigued by the idea of, like, mixing um, fantasy concepts with biomechanical body horror. Why? It's because of fucking Doom. Of course it is! Because, right, in Doom, yeah. it's, like, futuristic, but it's also, like, weirdly religiously themed, because, yeah. like, it's literally hell where all the demons are coming from, but also sometimes yeah. the demons are cyborgs, and sometimes yeah. the demons are people, or used to be people, and now they're half-person, half-demon, and occasionally a third-person, a third-demon, and a third-robot. Yeah. Sabaoth from Doom 3 is pretty fucking weird. Yeah. He's like... What? What? A tank, but half a man, but also a demon. Yeah. It, it's it's fucked up. And I love that, oh, yeah. that idea that... I love the idea that, like, I don't know how Doom gets away with mixing all of these, like, disparate themes together in a way that seems to make sense. Heavy metal music, that's I, how. Uh, probably, actually. Like, all of those things work for heavy metal music. Like, yeah, like, it's just, it's just it's robots, pure aesthetic. beefy men, demons from hell, and you just... As long as you play a heavy metal soundtrack, you can just, like mix them yeah. all together and it's it's fine it doesn't clash anime wise like at all mm. fucking cheating but no I, I i i definitely love that show i should finish doom 2016 but like my computer can only just run it so i have to like <laughs> shut everything else down to play it and yeah. even then i can only play it for small small bursts at a time yeah but but yeah i i, I do i like when that kind of mixing of themes is done well yeah because so often it isn't. And sometimes when it's done in anime, like, I, it's done in a way that I feel as well. Like, I know that 
it might be like a cross-cultural thing that there are that in Japan they're just much more open to the idea of mixing those kinds of themes without any like clashing yeah. problems but I don't know I'm not saying that there aren't anime that have done it well because I think there definitely are no yeah I've even seen some of them but no I don't know oh yeah it's stuff like like Full Metal Alchemist has like a lot of sciencey themes yeah in it, Full Metal Alchemist is... does seem to have like a unity of theme to it yeah but it is fundamentally about magic but it I guess it frames the magic as science, but a lot of it's also about, like... Well, the thing about I don't know. magic and science is that if you frame it as alchemy, which mm. is magic done in a scientific way, as Full Metal Alchemist does, I believe, mm. then you can kind of get away with that, because that but then it, connects it, those together. It also slaps this sort of weird kind of early 20th century aesthetic on it, like... Right, yeah. You know, like, and you're like, ah, oh, this is interesting. And but I mean, that that's because it kind of works because it's all about like basically how Germany treated Jewish and Romani people in World War Two and in the during the rise of Hitler. Yeah. Because because the the lady who wrote Full Metal Alchemist is Walker's fuck. Like, <laughs> she's like, I notice there are a lot of my contemporaries who idolize Nazi mm. Germany because nationalism. I'm gonna tell you what, fuck y'all. Saying that she does sort of take a lot of Jewish symbols and symbolism, and you know, that for Alchemist is a conversation for another day. Uh, probably, I, I think. And was the a only huge thing tangent. that I would add is that uh, we do probably, I think, entirely thanks to um, Doctor Mengele, not Gregor Mendel, who's he's he's the P man, Doctor yeah. Mengele. Um, we do so love associating Nazis with body horror. That's true. Yeah. Because. That guy did some fucked up shit to a lot of innocent people. Yeah, that was not right, dude. Yeah. I'm uh, glad you did. I mean, I, I don't know necessarily that we, we need to, like, conceptually wrap his knuckles, because even before, <laughs> yeah, we, even before yeah, we... he did all of the fucked up body horror shit, dude was a fucking Nazi, so... That's true, yeah. I mean, I, I do look, in, in today's political climate, apparently I, I feel you have like, to clarify like being a Nazi is bad. If we have to explain the, the concept of... Nazis are bad and you shouldn't idolize them to our audience. Something has gone very wrong. Yeah, like I look, if we're like, you know, like let's face it, we're not like, you know, apart all of these white nationalists shush, on YouTube shush, who shush are now. like, why why I'm is everyone in my comments with... a Nazi? I just don't understand why so many Nazis like me. It's because you're a white nationalist and therefore are also a Nazi. I don't, why is this concept difficult for you to grasp, Sargon of Akkad? I don't I don't he doesn't listen to this. I can I can say whatever the fuck I like about. Sure, Sargon I'm gonna cut it out because it's not relevant and I don't want to start. <laughs> That's <shit>. true. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, um, so yeah, do we do we want to do? I I think even if we're not gonna go down to, like the biomechanical route, we definitely want to have like this monster is a modification of an existing person or yeah. entity. Okay, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So we want to to an extent the undead are already this. Yeah. But I think we want something different. So yeah. what, what what do we what do we want? You know, we, we we want the kind like we want this to be a modification of an existing person who is like well who would be what like almost well beloved by the players at this point. Like at the very least, almost. we want the players to be shocked and upset that yeah. this person like comes back as because this is the thing. Um, I'm reading her article now like i wasn't around for this release of magic but apparently glissa was a pretty sympathetic character before she got turned into like glissa the traitor mm. who's 
black-green. Like, the idea is, no, a horrible thing has happened to this entity. And now they return as a, a servant of evil. Mm. And, I mean, it's up to us how we want to do that. We might want to do it like um, Gordon Freeman in Full Life Consequences, that he's had science put in him. Um, you know, that, that that's, that's assumed that... Um... I mean, I guess you could take one of our existing NPCs, but that feels almost too mean and also self-fulfilling yeah. if we do it to an existing NPC we have. Um, hmm. Well, the temptation to do it to Valander just to torture Maxi further, per- just personally, just to torture one of you or um, one is, I don't is really want to do this to a um, an existing NPC either, because I worry that... Um, you know how I didn't want to do the plant thing? Because... Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah, I also don't I'll, want to do I'll it go. in a way that will torture Maxi because. Mm, 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 mm. Anyway, uh, anyway, right. So, I think I'm trying to try and think. Do we maybe want to tie this into like later on after that uh, that scenario that we made in the making your own scenario episode? Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Let's do that. So, um, maybe let's come up with a little like little campaign story that might explain this monster. Okay. So. The basilisk was like the end end goal of that scenario, right? Yeah. But a basilisk is it's, it's it's not quite a dumb animal, but you know it can't really be the mastermind behind everything. Yeah. So maybe the basilisk was sent there by like this person, this entity, the big bad. We won't we don't necessarily need to worry about about them. Yeah. Maybe this big bad attacked a wizarding school because they favor um, putting science inside of people rather than magic yeah they hate magic and and stuff so maybe like later you find like oh maybe like um later on like way later on um you find out that like a student like a promising student who we did we ever have them like interact with students i think like briefly we had them interact with students in that yeah like at like at the end and you kind of yeah we introduced the npcs um oh maybe that teacher because i think we had the thing where like they could un unpetrify a teacher who knew Stone to Flesh. Yeah. Was it we, we Professor Fundy Wombos or yeah, like that? Somebody who the, the, the yeah. players met and probably interacted with enough to mm. care about tangentially. And maybe we yeah. initially have that character like interact with the players a bit more to give them other stuff, you know, other, other uh, plot hooks. And then the character kind of fades out of the story. Yeah. And later, if the players ask about after them, yeah. it's emerged that they've gone missing. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, that's that's worrying. Oh. So they go out and look for them, and as yeah. it turns out, they've been kidnapped by the the big bad and have had science put in them, and uh, are now a a horrible entity. Mm. And the reason I'm thinking about that is because you could then have you, you then have like the first um, property that we want to apply to this monster, which is that it's a spellcaster. Yes. Right. So. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Spellcasting monsters. I hate spell. I don't hate spellcasting monsters. I hate dealing with spellcasting <laughs> monsters because I find yeah, that yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. Um, how how that's done, like the easiest way to do that. If you come across the monster like as you're bringing it up, you're like, oh shit! Now I have to go through like the player's handbook looking for all of these spells, which is where my spell cards come in, and I really should like sort them to a usable order. Yeah, I need yeah, to buy some spell cards good as well. For that. Um, spellcasting yeah. monsters. Spellcasting is a way of making like monsters powerful in a way that doesn't like involve you coming up with loads of new abilities, right? Because 
those abilities are already there yeah and they're already powerful why would you not use them right yeah exactly um so okay we we have this guy has been turned we'll we'll say it is the teacher right the teacher has been yeah. turned into a horrible um monstrosity uh transfigured if you will which is ironic given that he is i believe the transfiguration mm -hmm. teacher except transfigured yeah. with surgery and things and now he is yeah. a horrible uh entity yeah i kind of don't want to say that he's a giant robot robot spider because that's so typical also if he was like a giant robot spider we could like start with the drider stat block to work off which i feel kind of defeats the point of coming yeah. up with a new new thing but why don't we go yeah. with um i mean obviously maybe not his minions but minions he has access to because he's he's not the big bad the yeah. big bad is uh i don't know a god of like artifice or something i don't know yeah necro technomancer like but Te evidently techno necromancer our, our ex-friend has been given access to some some entities so ideally we want these guys to be low level mm. right because yeah, yeah, like yeah. not super well, low, low level, level, yeah. Because obviously we want him to be very, fairly high level. Yeah. But we want them to be low level enough that it can be a decent challenge for the players to deal with a large number of these things, probably like as they approach his lair. Mm. So what are we thinking? You could maybe have like something with like a brain in a jar, because that's kind of like almost gothic horror mad sciency enough to 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 work. Mm. Um. But, I mean, we definitely want, like... I mean, nothing fucks you up more seeing, like, human limbs being used in ways that they shouldn't be used in. Like, seeing legs as hands, that, that's there's, fucked up. Or hands really as legs, that's up, messed up, um, too. creature from, like, an old Call of Cthulhu scenario that I ran once. That's, like, um... There's this guy, and he's been experimenting with, like, weird, um, human monstrosities before... Basically, as like yeah. trial runs before he works on his eldritch horror son by adding children's arms to him, and he he's made this this thing that's okay, about yeah. as intelligent as a house cat, but it's made out of like a woman's head, but with like her legs coming out of like the sides of her head, and it just runs around yeah. and and just stares at people. It's it's fucked. Yeah, that's 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 pretty fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, basically bits of body attached to other bits of the right. body that shouldn't be attached to it. it right, really yeah, up. We, we could definitely have, have that. Um, mm. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, I really like the idea of, of brains in jars, because you know that's creepy, right? You, you've confided mm. in me before that you really oh, don't yeah. like, like yeah. the idea of disembodied brains. Yeah, yeah and I love this idea that like, all of these minions used to be a person, or at least some form of like animal yeah i'm just thinking like what monster can we uh we rip the stat, stat block apart of to to make this is is the thing mm. Hmm. it's like there's so many different things that 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 you could work with yeah I think ideally we want something oh maybe we want like that but they're like um they're like spider things with brains on them and the spider limbs are like human fingers so it's got like this little like 
metal base, but then it uses like elongated yeah. fingers as its legs and shit like that. Okay. Because then yeah, that's, you that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, okay. Stick some stuff onto the um, the crawling claw as, as a as a mm. monster or some other like small crawling thing with a low challenge rating, right? Well, maybe yeah. not the crawling claw actually, because the crawling claw like has a challenge rating of literally zero. And I feel like a brain in a jar would probably be intelligent enough to like be stronger than that. So maybe if we go to like miscellaneous creatures in the back and we pick one of the spiders, like maybe the the okay yeah yeah giant spider. Where's the giant spider? I know it's here somewhere. Giant octopus, giant scorpion, giant spider. Right. This thing has a challenge rating of one. Um, I'm just thinking, does or we could go with giant scorpion, which has a challenge rating of three. Giant scorpion, I think. We want to make these guys all right. Pretty. Right, because we we probably want like the teacher to be like challenge rating like twelve yeah. or something, because this is going to be pretty late. Yeah. So all right, we work with giant scorpion. Now what what do these things have? Um, they have blind sight sixty feet. Blind sight is probably good. Yeah. Because if it's a brain in a jar, it's probably not seeing with no, eyes. Yeah. It's got yeah. some other way of detecting stuff. Passive perception nine, which again, it's a brain in a jar. That probably works. Yeah. Because for all you detect things with ways other than eyes, you know, you're not that gifted with perception. Um, it, it has high strength, uh, medium dex, high con, low int. Mm, I think maybe mm. we want to do some fucking about with that. Like, maybe we want to kick the, uh, the, the constitution down to a plus zero modifier. Yeah. And then kick the intelligence up to, like, yeah. maybe a minus one. Because, I mean, they're not particularly bright. But when you're a brain in a jar, Absolutely, intelligence yeah. is kind of like the only thing you've got going for you. Um, then, as it's... Uh, oh, I'm a class 15. I'm okay with that, because I feel like probably you'd have the brain in like a glass bulb on the front, which would be able to take a beating, but it's like, it's a it's a glass. So eventually, maybe we give it like a, a, a weakness to mm. bludgeoning damage, just because like if you're wailing on the, the glass, then you like, like let the brain out. Uh... So this thing multi-attacks with claws and a sting. Um, I feel like you could probably actually make a case for this thing just like mechanically having at least the sting added. Like I like the idea of it having like a yeah, little yeah, syringe yeah. or something that just like fires at you to try and like... But we could maybe like make it not poison or something. Or maybe you could have like different flavors of this where like they come in different colors and depending on the color, like it changes what special weapon they're packing in their stinger. Like, some of them poison you, um, some of them try and paralyze you, some of them maybe, like, try and mutate you mm. or something. Like, who knows? That that would be cool, I think. And then you got these claws. I don't know about the claws, personally. I feel like maybe if we just, just give it the sting and then, like, let it attack multiple times with the sting, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Mm. 